Hi, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the We Belong Here podcast powered by Civic Commons. Uh, as always, I want to thank my friend, uh, the Big Phony, for uh, allowing us to use his music in the intro and outro. Thank you so much. Uh, today, we have a great episode. We have three guests, and this is a, a special podcast that we're doing with uh, our partners at the Gates Discovery Center. So the Gates Discovery Center has this wonderful program that they're doing once a month. It's called In Community, We Flourish, and they're going to have a different topic each month. So we just did this about a week ago, and this month's topic was resilience. So we're going to make resilience the the theme of our time together. And as always, I'm going to have our guests uh, do a quick introduction of themselves so you can learn a little bit more about them. But don't worry, you'll get to hear a lot more about them and their own stories later on. So why don't we start with Ivana? Yeah, my name is Ivana Anabaleli. Um, I use they them pronouns. Uh, I'm also in Quigalant. I'm the housing coordinator, and I also participate in Decrim Seattle. Hey there, I'm Ashraf, he, him pronouns. I work at the Office of Arts and Culture uh, here in Seattle, and I'm the youth arts manager there. Super happy to be here. Thanks. Sweet. What's up, everyone? Um, I am Mariama Swanee. Uh, during the day, I work at HopeLink, which is a um, anti-poverty nonprofit as the director of equity, diversity, and inclusion. Um, and after hours, I'm a writer, blogger, and soon-to-be podcaster, too. So uh, if you want to follow my work, feel free to follow um, at the Audacious blog on Instagram. Nice. And this, uh, this podcast is all about people promoting themselves. So I appreciate you doing that. And we'll have even more time at the end of the, the podcast to do that. Uh, and I just want to say my name is Frank and I uh, use he, him pronouns. And we're going to do a little bit of a check-in as we always do. So the check-in question today, the, which Mariama will first start with, is since our topic is resilience, right? And resilience is one of those words, I think, that people throw around a lot, especially um, in communities of color, immigrant refugee communities, um, it's just like, oh yeah, you know, like, oh, the community has so much resilience. So it's like, well, what, what is it? We're going to unpack that a little bit, hopefully in our own stories. But for each person, I would love to know, like, what fuels your resilience? You know, it can be a story about your family, culture, roots, and experience, a song, whatever it is. But, uh, Mariam, what fuels your resilience? Yeah, I, I, I think of two things. Um, one, uh, I gotta say the black national anthem. Um, but I guess that's also like my blackness and my culture and mm-hmm. my Latinidad. So I'm an Afro Latina. I'm, uh, you know, my dad is from Gambia, West Africa and my mom is uh, Mexican American. And so for me, it is, uh, you know, their, their stories or our family stories of, uh, you know, coming to America, working really hard, like that, just that, that traditional immigrant story that we mm-hmm. hear. Um, as something that I'm, you know, blessed and thankful for and continue to reap the benefits of. And so um, part of the thing that, you know, pushes me forward is trying to trying to uh, just fill, fill the shoes that I know that they wish they could be in. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely part of it. Um, and I would say also just, I don't know, trying to trying to be well, like I just want to be well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um I think, yeah, just trying to, trying to be good in my mind, body, and soul is another thing that sort of pushes me um, forward in the work that I do. Hmm, nice. Um, thank you for that, Mariama. That was dope. Um, I connected to one of the things you said, being well at the very end there. I always strive to be 
better, like progress a little bit in my own self. I try not to um, stay stagnant or complacent. Um, and I always try and push myself. And I have to remind myself that I'm doing that to myself, you know, otherwise I will right. get complacent and I will get, you know, I will stall. Um, for me, what fuels my resilience um, really it's joy. It's love. I'm an optimist. Um, and I choose that lifestyle and that way of being because it, uh, it allows me to really feel that joy and love from other people and then also give it back out. You know, I'm really mm-hmm. a big, uh, big believer in reciprocation. What you put out there is what you're going to get back. And I, and, and that sort of cycle cyclical nature really gets me going. Um, I too am an immigrant. I, I, uh, came, to America as a babe in arms. Um, back in the day, we moved to LA and then came up to Seattle um, because the water wasn't so great in LA, apparently. Who knew? Um, it's better up here. Uh, and so uh, I'll get into this a little bit later, but um, uh, immigrants like myself, as well as um, folks who embody the next generation, whether that's young people or that's new to this country folks or folks who are um, making a difference and trying to, again, progress and be better and, and be well, um, all of that, I think, collectively fuels, for me, um, the reason to keep keep resisting and keep resiliencing. <laughs> Good word. I like it. I feel We're that. I love that. Yeah, um, I agree with, like, the family connections. Um, my dad is from Nigeria, and so, like, half of my family um, has all kind of tried to make their way here. Um, and so I connect with that. I think what fuels my resilience, and if you really get to know me, usually um, friends will tell you it's, like, mental health things, being in such a dark place and climbing your way out. And it's not like I don't deal with that on my day to day, but um, I feel like when I was at my lowest learning how to deal with the world, deal with capitalism, deal with patriarchy, I feel like I am able to be more adaptable and I'm able to bounce back. Um, Also being a person who was a sex worker, having that just ability just to be creative Um, I feel like I'm saying bounce back, but I just, you know, with all the identities that I share, I sometimes didn't have a choice but to be resilient, you know? And so um, I think it just comes from observation. My mom, you know, I was homeschooled for a little while. And so like having that really close connection. So, you know, relationships are really important to me. Um, So I'd say like my personal experiences with mental health, being a sex worker for like five years, and then also just the length of time I spent with my mom. She's a psychologist, and so she really taught me like why people do the things that they do. So I feel like I have this deeper understanding. Um, So yeah, it's really hard (laughs) to be resilient, but um, I like to talk to myself a lot. Yeah, that's what feels it, is people and relationships. Yeah. There's such a great uh, theme around like the, the inner working and doing that inner work and taking care of yourself and being well. Um, something that I, I think I said recently was like, uh, you can't draw from a empty well, right? So how do you give yeah. people more of your water if you don't have any of your own? And so how do you feel that, um, mental health, you know, my, uh, my mom passed away two years ago and it was the first time I always like, you know, told friends like, 
yeah, you should definitely think about like, you know, uh, therapy, like therapy is great. Like people, like I always like advocated for it, but I did not partake of it myself. And when my mom died, I was like, I need, I need to talk to someone because I'm not gonna be able to do this on my own. Um, and it was great. Therapy makes me such more adaptable to like what life throws at you. Um, because I have more of a language and a more inner view of myself and I'm so much more kinder to myself. And I think that's such a big part of it, which I, you know, I see a lot of head, head nodding, um, and a lot of agreement there. So this is a great group. I'm really excited to keep this conversation going with you all. Um, the next part is what we love to do here is like, we want people to tell their own stories, right? And so, you know, you get to decide what you share, how you share it, what you pick, etc. Um, and so, you know, I would love for you to share as much as you want about yourselves. Um, and we're going to start with uh, Ivana. So why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Yeah, well, I am a Pisces. <laughs> and so I love to share. I feel like I could talk to anyone <laughs> about anything <laughs> for a long time. Um, <laughs> I'm really close to my mom. My parents are still together, but, um, you know, relationships are very intense and just tricky. But um, I always like to think about the fact of how my mom um, would homeschool me and it's because I got in trouble <laughs> and so she pulled me out of school because um, I'm from Texas and so we moved here and I was the only black, um, well at that time I identified as a, a girl, a female girl or female, but um, uh, just, yeah, but um I was the only one. And so like coming to school, I just started beating up everyone. <laughs> and she was just like, before you get, <laughs> she was like, before they expel you, I was going to pull you out of school. And so I was just like, wow, I didn't realize okay. it, but yeah. <laughs> and so that really just like, um, really kind of set me on the path of who I am today. My mom's a psychologist. And so I'm really, really into talking it out and talking about our feelings and like wondering why it is that people do the things that they do. Um, it's not that I give people passes. I'm just so understanding. I'm just like, wow, you have a lot of drama. <laughs> Come back to me when you work through that. But um, yeah, I'm from Houston. <laughs> I lived in um, Sarasota for a little while and um, I moved here in 2005. Uh, I also lived in Lake Stevens for five years, but um, yeah, that's where my interest started. So, you know, now I'm in a housing collective, Queer the Land, and we're trying to give people housing. And so it kind of tied into how, um, you know, being pulled out of school, doing my homework in a shelter, because that's where my mom worked. Um, and just who knew that, like, you know, 10 years later, this is like what I would be doing. So I'm just really proud of myself. Um, yeah, I love plants. I love chocolate. I love a good beer. <laughs> I, I love mm. a good, like, citrusy mm -hmm. IPA. Um, I'm lactose intolerant and have a milk allergy because I'm West African, but I love, like, cheese. And <laughs> I love cheesecake. Um, I will literally post about it on Facebook. You, you know, like, that's just, that's my personality. I feel like... Um, I'm the typical Pisces, but I also have a Capricorn moon. And so I am really emotional, but I also am very responsible <laughs> and love to work um, and just like get everything out, <laughs> um, which is why I like to organize. Um, 
But I guess I would want to finish with that. I value rest. And so, you know, I take days off of work all the time. Um, I'll shut off my phone or I'll just say no, you know, sometimes I just can't do it. It's been kind of interesting seeing how folks have been coming, especially with my work in Decram Seattle and like seeing the new organizers. I'm only 26, but seeing like these 18, 19, 20 year olds, I'm just like, the work will be done. You know, you need to go and hang out with your friends and have conversations about whatever and just do whatever. It's not that serious. It is that serious, but it's just not, you know, just be in the room and hang out with your friends. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, that's about me. Oh, can I say one more thing? Yeah, do it. Of course. (laughs) I used to, um, (laughs) I always forget, but I never told anyone. I used to dog walk and be like a dog boarder. And I've like walked and boarded over like 250 dogs and cats. And taking care of, I know, and chickens and rabbits. Um, Yeah, I have two cats and a dog. Oh my gosh. This is like huge love for plants, dogs, cats, (laughs) chickens. Living things. Living things. Like you are just like Mother Earth. I love it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I feel. All the energy. We love okay, it. What are, your, what are your cat's names? Real quick. Um, Lola and Baron. And then my other, my dog is uh, Ollie. Ollie. Nice. They all Classic beat each names. other up, too. Ooh. <laughs> sounds like a cartoon. Yeah. That's my life. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you for sharing all that. Um, that's so rad. Um, Ashraf, why don't you tell us a little bit about your yourself? Thank you. Um I also want to thank you, Vanna, for sharing. That felt so good. I appreciate you opening up the space like that. Um, and I relate. Saying no is hard to do, but uh, at least for me, it's hard to do. I overcommit all the time. I'm trying to get better, though. <laughs> um, part of that optimism is like, yeah, you can do anything you want and everything if you give yourself mm-hmm. enough things to do. Um but resting, taking time off, also very important. I uh, just got back from some time off, and I feel so much better for it. And I'm very much um, somebody who's like, if I have staff that I'm supervising, I'm like, take your sick days. Like, I don't care what you do with your sick days. Just take them because you're not going to get those back. <laughs> you know, and that's part of my value set is take what you're given or at least take what's offered to you, if not what's given. Because um, not a lot of things are given in life. Um I'm an Aries, uh, and I am a Leo rising, I believe. I think I did that math right. Um, so very fiery, got a lot of, uh, I'm a little stubborn. I definitely got a lot of passion. Um, my, uh, I, I said my name was Ashraf. I don't know if I said my last name was Hashem, which is important to me because my family is important to me. And, um, and I th- said I was an immigrant, but I didn't say where I was from, I don't think. I'm from Pakistan. I moved here, um, again, when I was a very little person. And um, we, uh, just like a lot of South Asian immigrants in general, started up a little small business. After a while, my my dad worked at Denny's, the one in Ballard, if y'all remember the Denny's in Ballard, uh, which closed in 2007. Um, dad worked there for like at least 10 years. He did like every job in the place. Um, he loved that early morning shift, 6 a.m. to 2 p.m., taking those tips from the working person. Um, and that's when Ballard was a little bit more working class, a little bit more immigrant heavy. Um, and, uh, it's a little bit different now, but, um, so it goes, uh, when I was, uh, 
maybe in late elementary school, him and my mom started their own small business. They started a little convenience store, a little bodega. Not quite a bodega, though, because there's no deli. It's just the sort of 99 cent plus sort of model. Um, you know, you got the dollar store needs, but you also got those convenience um, uh, sort of not quite a grocery store. Um, really just smokes and beer and some wine expanding to cigars, you know, like get, get into that little zone. Recession proof industry, as they call it. Um, and they went through a couple of those recessions. So I grew up as like a kid who was hanging out in my parents' store um, in the back ne next to all the paraphernalia before I knew what that was. Um, and through them, I got this amazing sense of um, self. Got to see my parents in a way that other people saw them, which is different, diff different, you know? Like I always heard when I saw people coming to my parents' store. Um, people would come to me straight when they saw me there and they realized who I was, they were like, your parents, your parents saved me. Your parents, um, were there for me when nobody else was. Your parents are amazing people. You should, you should know that. And it's very special to have that being said to you as a young person. And as you grow older, um, as much as you don't want to believe that your parents are, are super, they really are, you know, depending on where they are and, and how they come to you and come to the community specifically for them, they, um, they do things that I don't know if other people do nowadays, like keep ledgers and let people pay at the end of the month because they don't got their paycheck yet. Or they cash the paychecks for folks who um, who themselves, they don't trust themselves to cash their own paychecks, you know, or um, or get their the disability checks directly to them so that they can do the thing and make sure everybody's finances are all straight. They make uh, the community a bunch of food for Thanksgiving and they look forward to it every year. They give out um, hundreds of boxes of food. It's amazing. Um, yeah. And so that's where I got my sort of sense of loyalty and community too, is is by seeing folks, you know, as their their store is in Ballard, it's been there for about 15 years. Um, it They're the ones who uh, people who used to live in Ballard still come back to just to shop and get their cigarettes, you know, from there or whatever they want to get um, or their cat food or whatever it is, because um, the D or the 15 still goes there and they can still access and they still want that sense of community, sense of home where they came from. So I, I really give uh, lots of love to my parents. Um, whenever I'm asked to introduce myself, I always hopefully end up talking about my parents. Um, they're dope. And um, uh, a couple of things I just about myself, um, I work with young people in the arts, specifically around arts access, youth empowerment, around arts education and equitable access to arts education. Um, I'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, and generally for me, um, in addition to like the, what I mentioned otherwise, in terms of values, I value participation quite a bit. Like I really want to just like put, I want to be part of something. I'm not necessarily um, the one leading all the time, if not most of the time. I'm the one who's um, there to get your back, to continue, to make sure that somebody's taking notes, to make sure that, you know, that things are moving forward. Um, and then um, that's this sort of hustle mentality that's become part of the millennial culture, I, I, I tend to embody as well. Um, keeping yourself busy, making sure you're doing something good for the world, like all of that's very important to me. Um, I got two cats, Maeve and Delphine. Um, they came with those names, but they are very grand and they live up to those names quite a bit. Um, and yeah, I think that that's it for me right now. Mm -hmm. That's great. I mean, I love the story about your parents. Like how do, do they still have that store in yeah, Ballard? Yeah, Tobacco Plus on 60th and 15th in Ballard. I was, shout out. Great. I was hoping you would shout it out. That's great. <laughs> um, that's rad. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I connected with um, 
to your story about uh, immigrant parents and working and my dad worked in a garbage bag factory from like three till midnight my mom worked in a sweatshop in new york city putting together clothes but i remember falling asleep like she would make me these like little masks out of like like a you know like patterns and then she would tie them with string around my head and i would just like run around and fall asleep in like swaddles of like you know like pieces of clothing um but i know she worked her hands to the bone Mm -hmm. to like you know put you know uh, take care of us so shout outs to immigrant parents i mean parents in general but immigrant parents doing so much for us uh thank you so much for sharing and for the other guests, you know, as people tell their stories or if, like, you hear something that you want to comment on, like, feel free to jump in and say things. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Mariam, why don't you start off and tell us about yourself? Yeah, uh, it's interesting because as you all uh, have shared your stories, I've just loved how um, – I just love them. I love your stories. Thank you for sharing with me. Um, and it's interesting because I'm – I feel like I'm always in a process, like I said, of being well. And so um, – I am one who like scripts everything. Like I'm like, what like what are the key points that I want to share? Um, but as you were sharing, I'm like, no, I'm gonna just share. Like whatever comes to mind is what I'm gonna share. Um, and so I, I love how you all are talking about your parents and these like beautiful relationships that you have. And I um I am one who doesn't necessarily have <laughs> the greatest relationship with my parents. Um, but I still I'm I'm gonna keep this vibe going and still share like the beautiful things I love about my parents. Um, so my parents are divorced. Yes. They've been divorced since I was a kid. Um, I think when I was like one, so I have no memory of them ever being together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I grew up mostly with my with my mom. And so, um, you know, grew up out in Redmond, Washington, uh, Redmond L, Redmond Junior, Redmond High, like just straight my whole 18 years. Hey. Um, was pretty much out there. But man, it was a, it was yeah, it was, it was interesting. But I think one of the, the the beautiful things about growing up as an Afro Latina out in Redmond, you know, my mom, uh, I, I saw her work so hard, um, and I think that's one of the things that you know she really instilled in me. Um, so you know, we grew up. I, I grew up off of uh, you know Social Security and child support. And so, you know, it was really, it was really wild. My mom has um, a physical disability that makes it really challenging to be able to, you know, go, go to fit, go to work physically. Um, and so it was always, it was just so powerful to me to see her get up every morning and go to her job at Ross or go to her job, you know, yeah. as a um, driver for the Microsoft buses. Um, meanwhile, right, all my friends' parents are going to work as a lawyer or as this or as that. Um but I remember, like, my mom is the most generous soul. Um, and so we may have not had much money, you know, at the end of the month. But if we had something, she was always like, you know, that's that's like, that's yours. So she'd go, you know, to Value Village and get me some new clothes. Um, or we'd go out to dinner one night. And it was always about, like, me and making sure that I was good and that I felt loved and cared about. Um, and she's always had this most just generous soul. Um, and I remember growing up, we used to have, uh, our house was kind of weird in some ways. <laughs> we had like a bed in our living room. Um, why we had a bed in our living room, I have no idea. Um, but it ended up working out because we would often, um, we'd house kids in our home, not like an official foster um, home thing or anything like that, but just, you know, kids who were having um, challenges in their home and were kicked out. You know, if I if I found someone at school who 
you know, so they didn't have a place to stay. My 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 spot was always the spot. Mm. Um, and my mom really sort of uh, created this space that was just like a community resource. Um, so I remember whether it was myself or my mom, like growing up, right? All the kids in the neighborhood knew that if you came by, you know, we'd have snacks. There would be a snack, um, you know, during summer if you needed something to eat real quick. Um, you know, we were in the house that all the kids came to to like walk to school together in a big group. Um, and it's all because my mom, you know, was the, the, the center of that community. Mm. If you needed to know, um, you know, where to get rental assistance or you needed to know how to get energy assistance. Like my mom knew everything that she needed mm. to know, um, you know, in a community that, that, you know, had it hard. Um, it's interesting because like, yeah, I grew up in Redmond and yeah, my you know education was great. And I think I'm so thankful. I literally like thank God every day for the fact that I grew up in Redmond and got that education. Cause in some ways, right. I think of systemic racism and I'm like, man, that very well could not have been my story. Like I very well could have not ended up at, we find the, what, one of like three section eight places out in Redmond at the time, you know, um, to then have gotten this incredible education that got me to UW. But yeah, I just, I'm just, I'm, I definitely, I love my mom for her generosity and for her, you know, ability to be a resource. And I think, you know, as I think about my own life, I think that's in ways like why I do a lot of the things that I do is to also try to be that resource. So, um, you know, I'm a part of a historically black sorority, Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Uh, what's Shout up to out. any of my sorors hey. who are listening? Hello. Hey, <laughs> love y'all. <laughs> um, you know, but in that, um, I am a, I'm our uh, undergraduate advisor for our, gra- our, under- our undergrad chapter at UW. And I'm like, you know, I want to be a resource for them. I want to help them in their transitions. College is crazy. Um, and I'd like to think I'm not too unhip yet. I'm only a few years removed. <laughs> so like, you know, maybe I can still be kind of cool. Um, and you know, that, either my blog, you know, I think all of those for me are just ways to just try to be a resource, like try to share love, try to share any of the any of the wisdom that people have poured into me. I guess my story is one of just trying to be a community resource for people, whether that's through, you know, my, my activism in college, going to Ferguson, going to Israel and Palestine, learning about, um, I had the most incredible experience in Israel and Palestine, like learning about um, just community conversation circles and how do you hold something that is that is so real and so raw and, and folks who really feel that they are two completely different types of human beings mm. <laughs> and you bring them to a table um, mm. so that, you know, at the beginning of, of, of something, you know, they might feel like utter enemies, but at the end of it, literally people are talking about that's my family. Um, the most incredible thing. So I think my, my, just my drive to be a resource has been what led me to a lot of the stuff that I do and, let me do my EDI work over at Hope Link and is really like, maybe that's why, maybe that's why I'm a sort of what drives my resilience is my want or my job to be a resource for folks. Hmm. Resilience sometimes isn't so much like how do you receive things, like getting things from yourself or other people, but it's sometimes the, res- the resilience comes from like sharing of yourself to others. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think it's a two way mm-hmm. street and there has to be a good flow that goes around because doing it just one way, isn't um really healthy but doing it both ways right i think it gets like the most out of like the resilience that you can potentially tap into 
And I think that's a common theme for all of you, all of you, right? In terms of the work you do, uh, the, the, the movements that you're helping to, to push forward, the, the things that you believe in, uh, the families that, you know, have shown the way. Thanks so much. You know, like, I think this is resilience too, right? To, to, to water each other with our stories is so, um, it's such a gift. And before we all had like TVs and the internet and phones and all these things that we can like hear stories from, from others. We were only entertained by those around us, right? Like we used to sit around fires and tell our own stories and tell stories to like pass time, to mark history, to mark culture, to, 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 to educate, you know, young folks. And so I appreciate you all watering each other with stories. Um, and now, you know, once you taking that, <laughs> that analogy to the next level, once you water, sometimes you, you know, fruits appear and you harvest. And so you all are doing great work and like lots of different things. I've been, you know, following you all in terms of the blogs and like the, the movements and like the, the work at the city. And so now's a chance for you all to pitch something that you're, you're working on. So, you know, trying to get some more folks to hear about it. You can talk about being, you know, help asking people to help amplify something. You can ask people to help augment something. You can ask people to just like even be like, Hey, can you throw some resources here? Because, you know, that's going to really help like spur things on. So, you know, you can talk about whatever you want. Cool. So yeah, a project that I'm working on, honestly, it's taking up the majority of my life is, um, queer the land buying a house. Um, it's so a exciting. 12 bedroom. Yeah. It's so exciting. <laughs> I feel like, um, We've been, it is exciting, <laughs> but it's so stressful because I don't know all these like legal terms and, wow. um, you know, it's like COVID and then like meeting after meeting and I'm just like, what are we talking about? I don't, I don't know, but, um, it's a 12 bedroom house. It has a huge basement. It has a huge backyard, um, I'm really excited because, you know, Queer the Land started in 2016. And, you know, since then, we've just been giving out, um, we've been having our base program, which is um, building autonomy and safety for everybody. So that's a program that we'll have at um, the house that we're uh, purchasing in September. Uh, we've been having programs like that. We've been also giving out um, housing funds. We've been also hosting like emergency preparedness type events and um we also have like you know we give out ppe um like masks and hand sanitizer but now we'll be able to like house that stuff and we'll be able to Mm. um have a space so i was bringing up those things because oftentimes queer folks don't have a place to meet mm. queer the land doesn't have a base and so we're meeting at like restaurants backyards our house zoom because of covid and so you know we'll be able to house people we'll be able to um, do skill shares we'll be able to have mm. a garden and feed ourselves we'll be able to um, provide self-defense um especially, you know, living when, you know, you're visibly like, you know, you're queer and black, it's very hard. Um, but, uh, like while we're excited, we just want folks to know it's like, it's taken four years to get here, um, many grants. And now it's just like the winding down process of just like figuring out like 
what a use agreement is and <laughs> all these edits and all these meetings, mm. it's also worth it. Um, I'm the housing coordinator. And so um, right now we're just like figuring out like processes and, um, you know, like what will it look like to have a house and have a bunch of people there and how will we onboard those people? Um, and it's really difficult to do. I feel like a lot of times when we're doing interviews and getting questions, people are just like, so when are you going to move in the house? And I'm just like, I don't know. COVID, com you know, COVID complicates things. And so, um, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> it's really hard, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to give folks a place to, to party, to have office space, to um, feel safe to you know mm -hmm. use the space for whatever they want to use you know it'll be multi-use um and we're cutie bipoc so we're just about the most marginalized you know it's not too often that we get to prioritize ourselves and so um that's what queer the land is all about that's been the project i've been working on for like really really hard for like the last six months but i, I joined in 2018 Yo, mm -hmm. snaps to y'all for real, yeah. for real. Yeah, congrats. congrats. Wow, for real. Like, literally, yes. like, you all got a place. Ah, that's yeah. huge. In Beacon yeah. Hill, right? Huge. Yeah, it's in Beacon well, Hill. Um, we have to make it uh, accessible because it's very narrow. Um, mm. But, you know, we want folks to be able to go all the way up, you know. Um, sure. It's really cute. So, uh, is there anything that people can do to help y'all? Is there anything that, like, Credit the Land needs support in? Yeah, so we are fundraising, and so you can see that on our Facebook page, or you can follow us on Instagram, or yeah, Instagram, mm -hmm. which is Queer the Land, um, or Queer the Land. You can donate your land. Um, we have a tab for cool. that. We have a tab right. for donating supplies. Um, money is great, um, but I often now, since I you know saw the house, I thought, wow, we're gonna need a lot of people to pull all this stuff outside this house. Um, mm. So. I'd say money, like money is number one, but also like your physical body and like your skill shares mm -hmm. and connections to expedite processes because I don't have that opportunity being, you know, a black non-binary person. I'm not always able to get the things I want as like white people can. So, you know, mm -hmm. if mm -hmm. you are able to, cause you have a contractor or something, a connection, I'd like to know, queer the land okay. uh, at gmail.com. And then we also have a GoFundMe. Yeah. And then you can be a sustained donor on our um, uh, page, which is uh, queertheland.org. Okay, great. I love it. There's so many opportunities to, to support, you know, be there monetarily or uh, with your body with, and skills and, and connections, right? Or like knowledge around like some of this stuff. So rad, super rad. Um, well, once again, like it's super excited for y'all. Like that's so cool. Um, to actually literally have space for people to feel safe and make their own and call it their own is so important in terms of like safety and connection and, and belonging. And so like, this, um, we're so excited for y'all. Like, this is great. That's so good. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Thank you. Oh man. Um, okay. Well, are you, someone's got to follow that up. So, <laughs> um, let's go with, uh, Mariama. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, that's uh, something you are working on. Yeah. Um, huh. Let's see. So, ah, okay. I'm stuck between two. So I'm going to just give like half a pitch for each. Um, so I have, I have my blog. It's called the audacious blog. Um, and honestly, it's all about, um, 
helping women of color just cultivate our confidence, courage, and capacity. Like, what are the ways uh, in which Ooh. we can be uh, more audacious? I think that this world tries to make us small, and uh, we don't need to be. <laughs> so, um, you know, a lot of the things that, you know, I write about on my blog um, are, are things from healing um, to, you know, beauty standards um, to really just, you know, figuring out how you own yourself. Um, you know, reclaiming some of the narratives that people have shared about us. Um, there's some stuff on there right now, too, about, uh, you know, different ways in which as women of color, we can participate in um, activism as well. I know for myself, it is uh, it is hard for me to go to the front lines. Um, I did that in, uh, you know, 2015, 2016, uh, when we were fighting for, uh, you know, Eric Garner and, and Michael Brown and Sandra Bland and um, my, my mental health can't do that anymore. And so I think there are other ways that we can come to the table and still push for change, um, even if that's not your avenue anymore. So I talk a little bit about that on there. Um, but one of my newest projects that I'm so excited about um, <laughs> has to be, you tell me excited, um, has to be, I can't share the name yet, but um, I'm working on a podcast with my mentee, Ephraim Yarid, um, and I am so stoked to launch this um, in September. So stay tuned. If you're if you're interested in learning more about that, feel free to follow um, The Audacious Blog. So that's at The Audacious Blog <laughs> on uh, Instagram, or you can go to theaudaciousblog.com. Um, but really what we're trying to do is just... Uh, you know, create something that uh, shares some knowledge for young adults who are kind of in this weird in-between stage. So maybe you just graduated from college or maybe you've been out of college for, you know, three, five years um, and you've had your first job and you're kind of over it. You're trying to figure out something different. Um, it's really about us sort of just honestly living our best lives um, and what are some of the ways in which we can do that and live wholly and fully, um, you know, taking care of our mind, body, and soul through the whole process? So um, I am so stoked. So if you're you're interested in learning more, feel free, like I said, to follow my uh, follow my blog at the Audacious Blog. I'll be posting a whole bunch of stuff on there. Um, you can also follow my personal page. It's at Kinetic Wisdom, and Wisdom has a Z instead of a S because um, I am a Zeta. So. Another shameless plug for my sorority. Um, but yeah, those are the projects that I'm working on right now, and I could not be more excited for this podcast to launch. Nice. Speaking of podcasts, we should have gotten your sorority to, to sponsor oh, this podcast. So like, they're, getting, they're getting so much shout outs anyway. Um, it would have been, uh, you know, uh, advertising dollars well spent. Uh, yeah. They've been doing a lot of um, marches and protests in this neighborhood uh, with the, the uh, about Sean Fear. Um, mm. and so, um, that was uh, early on, they've been not like huge in number, but they've been really mighty in terms of like the, the participation and like the, the, the folks intergenerational. Yo, this next generation of activists yes. is everything, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to see the resilience they have, just the power that they have, you know, how much they're just so brave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what's really just so brave. Less to lose. Mm. Yep. Yep. And so um, we're going to close with Ashraf. Ashraf, you're going to tell us a little bit about um, something you are working on. Uh, I work, again, like I said, with the Office of Arts and Culture. Um, so I work in the government of the city of Seattle. It's my first time doing that. I've only been there for about a little bit 
over six months. Um, one of the organiz- one of the programs that I help um, run is called the Creative Advantage. Creative Advantage is a arts education equity. Um, collective impact partnership through the Seattle Public Schools, through the City of Seattle, and the Seattle Foundation. The Creative Advantage is uh, an arts education equity partnership. Like I said, it works with young people throughout Seattle Public Schools to make sure each school in Seattle Public Schools, each of the 102 or so schools, has money to spend on arts partnerships with community-based arts organizations or teaching artists to either have um, arts integration or cultural arts residencies, learning about uh, culturally relevant curriculum. What does that mean? That means instead of um, the band playing Mozart, you're playing Kendrick Lamar, you know, instead of learning about, um, instead of learning about uh, the European uh, revolution, you're learning about the, the revolution in Ghana or West Africa, right? Like there's, 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 that sort of culturally relevant component that is proven and it's common sense. Like, of course you're going to learn better if you're learning about something that is um, more deeply connected to you and your people, if not the people in your class, you know, in your Mm -hmm. community, whether that's your classroom, your neighborhood or the people you call friends and family. So um, all that's very important. And, because of COVID, because school isn't in session like it used to be, because it's all online, we've shifted to doing some online um, engagement. And for us, we shifted very quickly uh, because teaching artists who are gig workers, who are creatives, who are folks who are living paycheck to paycheck a lot of the time and have to put their income together in a variety of different ways, kind of like I used to have to do, um, we are able to give them some income um, to create these little small uh, short video series. We engage 30 teaching artists to create three to five videos a piece on everything from, um, again, like West African drumming to guitar to paper folding to um, wow, uh, so what cool. are some of the good ones. It's like theater you can make in your home like with like a bunch of stuff you find. It could be uh, – um, I'm like blanking on like all the dope stuff. Like that sounds dope, but I'm not even saying all the all the best ones. Right. <laughs> There's the even better ones. Yeah, it's all sorts of different um, arts uh, lessons that are taught by teaching artists from um, like. There's even like a like rhyming in the, in the hip hop style. There's even um, break dancing. There's like three different teaching artists that do three different versions of break dancing. You know, like it's wild. And so there's so many different types of things that you can get into. Again, depending on what your cultural heritage is or is not, or what you want to learn or what you don't um, think that you would be good at, but you want to try anyways. And so these creative challenges. Um, are ideally for families and students here in Seattle to like get them moving and get their creative brains flowing. And that is good for everyone because one of the goals of the creative mm-hmm. advantage is to build a, a, a more creative workforce. Creativity is like the need that employers and just people in general want to have good, um, just good people because they're better at collaboration. They're better at critical thinking. They're better at communication cross-culturally. They're better at, uh, at, at just, um, at empathy, at love, you know what I'm saying? Like they're better at all sorts of things that mm-hmm. aren't quantifiable, mm-hmm. like, um, like, uh, STEM maybe. And no, no, uh, no, no diss to STEM all about that steam life. But, um, uh, there's something to be said about adding that, that creative element, that, that, that self-identification through self-expression element that then becomes part of how you know who you are and helps you then help other people in the world, whether that's through your job or whether that's through your 
being a good person in the world and participating fully. Um, so part of that is then mm-hmm. goes into like, okay, yeah, we know we're trying to build young people to be creative and rock stars and, and totally own their reality. How do we get them jobs in this post COVID world now? And so now we're mm-hmm. thinking about like, not only how do we get people back into the workforce who, who are not in the workforce, who are creatives and artists and have gone down this pathway, but what about young people who haven't, who aren't even close to that yet, who still need that pathway too? So mm-hmm. one of the projects that I get to work on is around civic recovery and specifically in the creative industries, which is really that, um, like everything from, uh, content marketing for an, a creative agency to like, uh, being a a theater director to being a, a filmmaker in all different varieties, graphic design. It could be um, a, a, a gig touring musician, uh, but it could also be uh, working mm-hmm. your creativity in sort of the boardroom as well, right? So, um, how do we get mm-hmm. people back to work? We're thinking pretty expansively and creatively about um, what does it look like for us to create our own local WPA style program, Works Progress Administration style program. What does it look like for us to subsidize um, workers with a living wage to do work that needs to be done, whether that's teaching people, you know, like arts education, whether that's journalism, you know, a a field that's getting a lot of blows, Mm -hmm. um, whether that's food justice and getting Mm -hmm. people um, they're what they need to survive. Um, there's a bunch of bucket areas we're working with and it's real early in the decision making. I don't know how much I should be talking about it, but this is why I needed, this is why I need to talk about it. It's because community needs to be at the table. What are the work? What's the work that needs to be done? Mm-hmm. What's uh, under resourced now that you would like to see folks do and how can artists and creative folks who can challenge the status quo and can, and are only challenging the status quo wherever they are, how can we actually give them permission to do that in a way we've never done before? And then how do we build young people for that uh, wow. that new reality where creativity will be the hard skill you need to get a job, not just the soft skill to get into the room? You know what I'm saying? We're trying to get to there super quickly um, or at least get the pathways there mm-hmm. so that everything else can fall into place and it can just sort of uh, – you can be scaffolded up there as needed. Um that's what I'm really excited for. Like I said, the next generation is going to be set up to lead, and we're doing, I think, a good job of letting them lead in these protests that we're seeing around um, racial justice that need to happen. And I'm so glad that young people are showing up, and I'm so glad that, that yes. folks are, are really investing and listening to them. I think we could do always a better job of listening. But um, but right. I'm, just, mm-hmm. I'm just so excited to be in the reality we're at. And honestly, COVID helped get us there. It helps get us to these act. Ec- equitable outcomes that we need to continue to maintain. This $600 extra a week for unemployment mm-hmm. is like what we've been asking for for a long time, right? But like how do we how do we maintain that? Right. Um, because right. people need that support from the right. government to be able to just live. Can I live? You know, like um, – so it's yeah. right. We ain't even talking about thriving yet. <laughs> just live it. Living. Yeah. That's right, right. 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 L I V E, not T H R I V E. Right. Totally different. Yeah. Mm, 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 mm. Wow. So just get in touch. My <laughs> wow. ask for folks is to get in touch. Um, Ashraf.hashem at seattle.gov. A S H R A F dot H A S H A M at seattle.gov. Hit me up and, and let me know what you want from the city and specifically mm-hmm. how we can support creatives and artists and young people mm-hmm. um, through the mm-hmm. arts. Like, let me know and we will make it happen. Absolutely. 
We're going to put all these uh, contact infos, the Instagram handles, the blogs, the the websites, the email addresses. We're going to put all that information online uh, with the description. Uh, thank you so much to our guests uh, for coming out, uh, talking about, you know, not just talking about resilience, but really living resilience and sharing, you know, uh, capacity, resources, and opportunities to to keep each other resilient, right? And so... It's really exciting. Uh, thank you so much, y'all, for joining in this podcast. And uh, go online, look at the description, and find out more what you can do to uh, get involved and support. Um, you can do with your hands. You can do you know, work with your body. You can do with your mind. You can do with your talents, your connections, etc. So many ways for us to connect with each other. So thanks, everyone. Have a great day. And uh, we'll catch you at the next episode. For now, uh, stay safe, build bridges, and remember that we all belong here. Thank you.